Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monica Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. How did you discover your career path? Did you know what you wanted to do from childhood, or did you discover it later in life? Perhaps you're still seeking the perfect career for yourself. Meet our guest today, Erica Simpson, Senior Vice President in Business Development and Investor Relations at Shankman Capital, who shares her career journey and how identifying her passions and skills early on helped her navigate a successful career in sales. From having the highest sales of Girl Scout cookies in the third grade to SVP at Shankman Capital, Erica shares how identifying themes, seeking input from others, and taking opportunities to move the ball forward helped her advance and find a career she loves. Erica is a senior member of Shankman's institutional business development team, focused on plan sponsors and consultants in the United States, and has 17 years of industry experience. Prior to joining Shankman, she ran the business development efforts at IMC Asset Management. And prior to IMC, she was with Credit Suisse Asset Management, where she was responsible for alternative and traditional investment solutions for East Coast institutions. She began her career as an auditor for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Erica graduated with a BBA in accounting from the University of Massachusetts Amherst and is a certified public accountant in the state of New York. In this episode, Erica shares the key to building influential relationships, tips on executing effectively, and why it's important to seek out mentors. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode including the best way to get in touch with Erica. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you um, share your story with us, especially given that you are in a unique situation where you are in an industry that is extremely male-dominated and you have been a superstar um, female leader who also is someone who lends the, ha- the ladder down to help others um, climb the ladder as well. So without further ado, share a little bit about your story and what you've learned along your journey and how did you end up in the industry that you're in? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be a part of this today. Um, my name is Erica Simpson and um, I'm a senior vice president here at Shakeman Capital. Um, we manage about $30 billion across uh, fixed income strategies here. Um, And I'm in the business development uh, role here. So I'm responsible for um, some of the largest relationships we have here at the firm. Um, And I absolutely love what I do. So um, in terms of my story, um, it probably starts when I was uh, a very young girl. Um, I uh, was a Girl Scout and an eager one at that. And um, in the third grade, I had the highest sales of Girl Scout cookie boxes. Wow. um, (laughs) The state of New Hampshire. When I was in third grade, That's I right turned up a big competition and ended up having the most of the record uh, that year. And so from a very early age, I realized that kind of sales was what I was driven mm-hmm. to um, and what I ended up being good at. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I subsequently went into college and um, there I was uh, the head of the advertising department at our um, at the UMass Daily Collegian, which is the largest college daily in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold advertising. And again, I was in a different role there, but the theme was the same. And uh-huh. uh, I really excelled there. So when I got out of school, I was actually an accounting uh, major. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not my background and my personality was not uh, was not kind of lined up for a long-term role in, in public accounting, uh-huh. um, but it was a great way to get my foot in the door. I knew I wanted to be in New York City, so I got a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers right out of school. Right. Um, I got very quickly um, and then knew that ultimately I wanted to be in a sales role um, within a financial organization, given my background in finance and accounting, mm-hmm. uh, but really my love sales. And so I navigated through what the different types of roles would be available for Mm -hmm. somebody with background and that type of skill set. I talked to a lot of people, um, peers, friends, um, my father, you know, the people he connected with um, and determined that kind of institutional marketing was, would be a role that I would, I would, I thought I would be good at. And so I got a job as a very junior entry-level position um, as a kind of sales associate at a small hedge fund of funds, mm-hmm. uh, moved my career um, to the point where, you know, I'm, uh, I'm now kind of um, leading the charge for some of the, the largest relationships here at Chainman. That's fantastic. And what I want to hone in on is that you at a very young age did pay attention to some of those things that you, that came naturally to you. I think a lot of the times women and people in general make the mistake of something that comes really easy to you doesn't seem, you know, you just kind of dismiss it or you take it for granted, but you paid attention as a Girl Scout that you were great in sales. And then in college, you know, selling the advertising and those types of things. Um, And the other key important thing you mentioned is that community and you going out there and being proactive and tapping into the network and community to ask questions of like, where should you be focusing? Can you share a little bit about how do you, you know, sales is all about relationships as well, but how did you, how would you break it down in terms of how do you develop a relationship or how do you reach out to somebody cold and say, Hey, I want to learn X from you. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's my career today, right? I mean, <laughs> none of this is, I've been very fortunate to be in this role for many years. So I have a lot of relationships that have, you know, transcended many years, but mm-hmm. still an opportunity for a cold call. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not too um, above calling somebody completely out of the blue and asking them if they want to invest in credit. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that the common theme that that really can apply to what I'm doing in my day-to-day job or developing relationships to help guide is really finding some type of shared connection. Mm. If, if you can, if you can take a person that you want to learn from, or you want to get a meeting with, if you can find some type of connection with them to make it less cold and to make it warmer and to uh, connect, whether it's where they went to school or the fact that we're both moms or um, you know, there's a number of things um, tapping into that will help you stand out, I think, um, and make make it more likely that 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 relationship can develop. Because if you determine kind of shared um, commonalities, uh, mm-hmm. it makes people more open. It lets guards down, and it lets people really be them their true authentic self. I think, um, and and kind of share what it takes to be successful. Let you in the office for a meeting, uh, so on and so forth. That's that's fantastic, and. 
you've been successful in a really male-dominated industry. What would you say has been the key or maybe your superpower in being able to be that successful in an organization where there aren't a lot of people who look like you? That's a great question. You know, a, a lot of it is, um, is pushing forward. You know, at the end of the day, um, I, I always viewed myself as, um, as somebody who could be successful, no matter, no matter what my background was, no matter where I went to school, no matter what my gender was. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like for myself, um, as I continued into a sales role where I was surrounded by men, I held myself to the same exact standard. You know, I went on maternity leave. I had my two children here at Shankman Capital and my job is to raise assets for the firm. And I said to myself, I have nine months to do it where my colleagues have 12. And mm. I never, I never, I never used it and, and saw myself as somebody different that should have mm -hmm. different, treated differently. Um, and I think that that has really helped propel me to the seat at the table that I am now. You know, we, right. we all see each other as peers. Um, and, um, and I never, and I never viewed myself as kind of looking for, you know, something, uh, looking for something, for something special or different. Truthfully, um, I've probably used being a woman as, um, as a benefit in this mm -hmm. business, right? Yes. Because at the end of the day, there aren't a lot of people, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of women in the business. Um, there's even less amount of people that um, can have content, you know, that can actually go and talk about high yield markets, which is our markets day in and day out. Mm -hmm. um, and so I used it to an, as an advantage. And I've really said, you know, hey, I'm a mom too. Let's, you know, let's chat about being parents and let's chat about, um, you know, uh, investment markets. And so I think that, um, I think that that is a huge piece of success for, for what I've been able to do here. That's really insightful. And what you pointed out to me is, you know, you took accountability, like you said, of like, I'm not going to request any kind of special treatment. And you really thought about, okay, I have nine months to achieve this. Um, you know, I have nine months to achieve this opposed to a year, like maybe my, my um, peer over here, my male peer. But that takes a lot of forethought, planning, and execution. So what tips can you share on effective execution, especially when you set a goal to achieve all of that in a smaller or finer, like tighter amount of time than, than somebody else? Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's something that I, I feel like in my entire life, the, mm -hmm. the way I've been able to kind of drive the ball forward mm -hmm. at home, the office, um, is really just that exact word and it's in its execution. So the ability to take something that's in front of you, deal with it immediately and mm -hmm. move it to the appropriate place so you can focus on the next thing. And as, and as I've grown up in this business and as I've kind of uh, taken on more roles and responsibilities, whether it be, you know, running our DEI committee here at the firm, um, as I mentioned, my children, you know, the ability to, um, to kind of move forward uh, take things off my plate and put them on the plate of the responsible party and move it back to my plate and always be thoughtful about kind of the execution piece of it will help the many balls that any, especially women have in mm -hmm. the air, um, feel a little bit more manageable. And so I've, I've always really, I have a, you know, I have a task list that every single day when I get up, um, it runs out of my outlook when you could run it out of off a piece of paper or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever method is most convenient but when I sit down at my desk for the day, I have a task list and it's anything between 
30 and 60 to-do items. And they could be, we have a client coming in tomorrow and I need to make sure I'm thinking about the presentation materials. Um, I have a doctor's appointment for my son. I need to make sure that I filled out the pre-registration form. Mm -hmm. But it helps collect my day-to-day so that I can kind of systematically work through those things. Mm -hmm. Um, You're obviously always interrupted by phone calls and people walking by your office and things Mm -hmm. like that. But being able to be systematic, I think, Mm -hmm. is a huge way, you know, to to kind of organize your day to day. And then when I leave at the end of the day, um, which I was frantically trying to do before we got on the podcast, and I was (laughs) fifteen or twenty tasks, I make sure that that entire task list is moved to either the next day um, or to the kind of the appropriate day. And so everything in life, especially in my business and what I do day to day, is a different is a different. um, levels of kind of where things are. And so I need to make sure that I'm applying enough thought to each task and each relationship mm-hmm. and each time moving on to the next. You know, I love what you said. There were some, some key things that resonated with me is that you talked about um, taking things that were on your plate and shifting them and putting them on other resources or other people's plates uh, to kind of, you know, pass the baton. And then two, looking at your task list and moving things, um, you know, to another day or to another time where you, where you, you know, can focus on it. And so I know that, it, you know, I think sometimes when we have our task list, we forget to actually mark it on our calendars or move it on or, or move it along to where you're not going to forget. Um, you kind of mm-hmm. just let it sit there. But the other most important thing that I see a lot of women struggling with is delegation and leveraging other resources. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because it seems like you were a master at that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know a master, but, you know, being a woman, I I feel you kind of always sit in this place of asking asking people to do things that are part of their job, but asking it in a way um, that is really, at the end of the day, I feel... You know, women should be in a position to know what their resources are, whatever they are at whatever level you are. And -hmm. if somebody is tasked with helping you do something, it shouldn't be a, hey, can you do me a favor and get this Mm -hmm. done and let me know. Um, You know, I I find a lot of women, myself included, fall into that, right? They fall into this kind of, um, this soft um, asking. Mm -hmm. And and I think that it's important that, that... that you realize where whatever seat you are, um, that there are people around to help you do what you do best. Right. And ultimately that's the way any organization should be structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of that has come over time. You know, I've been here for a number of years and so kind of the resources have been built around me, mm-hmm. but understanding where, where you can ask and where you can just say, Hey, this is the expectation. I want to make sure we're on the same page um, in a reasonable way and not, you know, not kind of soft stepping it and just right. being, and this is the expectation. This is what I think you're responsible for. This is what I'm responsible for. Let's make sure we're on the same page. And the other thing I'll mention is that, you know, I mean, especially here at this firm, uh, more so than other places I've worked, but, you know, I, I really enjoy every single person that I work with. I mean, having a relationship with these people in and out of the office, celebrating milestones together, um, celebrating birthdays, you know, being thoughtful uh, co-workers to each other and colleagues. We all spend a lot of time at the office. Um, and I think that making it feel like a family in your own way mm-hmm. 
can really help get things done. Because at the end of the day, we all stand on each other's shoulders and we all want to be successful together. Um, and so having the rapport with somebody where you can, you can make the ask, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really, really important and building those over time, whether it be, Hey, you want to grab lunch, you want to get out for a drink, reaching across departments, you know, right. things like that. I think it's really important to cultivate those relationships throughout your career because you never know when you're going to need a, a lawyer to look at something really quickly. <laughs> right. Guy to notarize something in, in my office who's just sitting there, you know. So, right. um, so cultivating those relationships uh, helps, I think, with the resource perspective as well, because people want to help each other. Um, people want to help people they like. Yeah. No. And and I think you know also what I'm I'm hearing from you too is that idea of reciprocity, right? Of just making sure that you are being helpful and but you are you're asking and you're kind of delegating, like you said, as we should, but not thinking of it as a favor or kind of like I'm burdening this person of like, no, these are, you know, <laughs> these are the, the, the boundaries and this is the set thing. Let's all work together to kind of get it done. I think that's so important. Yeah. And in a respectful and collegial way, right. And there's right. A, that's a line that you, you know, that you find that I've, I found really hard to toe mm-hmm. over my career here mm-hmm. or over my entire career is that, you know, there's, uh, th- there is a line of making sure that you do everything respectfully, mm-hmm. uh, but my work will only get done if everybody else is doing their work and they're resp- and moving, rowing in the same direction to a right. one. Yeah. in it together. Now I want to mm-hmm. shift gears a little bit um, because I know that being in an, in an industry like, you know, uh, the, the financial industry that you're in can be very, can be very competitive, can be very type A, can be like you have to be on your toes all the time and you have to bring your A game all the time. Um, tell me, did you ever have any fears or limiting beliefs when you first you know, started in, in the space and do you still deal with them? And if so, how do you get past them? Oh, it's a, it's a great question. I, and I, I've thought about this a lot because um, I was an accounting major and mm-hmm. Um, I've had the opportunity over my career to sell a number of different types of strategies. So here at Shankman, we sell um, high yield and below investment grade credit, um, but I've sold private equity and commodities and hedge funds and um, a number of different types of, of strategies. And one of the largest fears, candidly, that I've always had is that my knowledge on the subject matter mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't enough. Mm. And, you know, I would come into these situations. I mean, I started here at Shankman over seven years ago. Um, and I didn't know the high yield markets um, mm-hmm. well at all. I knew finance at a high level. Again, I had sold a lot of things, but um, some of my previous roles were much more, much broader in terms of investment mm-hmm. strategies. So I needed to know a little bit about a lot. Mm-hmm. Here we're supposed to be focused on one asset class. And so I needed the ability to go deep and really be able to know the subject matter. And I remember early days, you know, calling my mother and being like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hack this, you know, and, and I was given a big job and I want to make sure that I represent the firm well. Um, so how do you get over it? You know, some element of, of fake it till you make it has really always kind of um, uh, has always been in my mind, right? At the end of the day, um, I'm going and talking about a firm that I know better than anybody at the table. Right. And I, put that back in my mind to say, you know, um, uh, there, you know, there, nobody's going to tell me, oh, 
But the majority of people won't tell me, oh, no, I know more about Schenkman Capital than you do. This is the firm I'm representing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the other thing is, is the, the grace to not have to know everything because you can really start to get into a bad uh, you know, scenario if you start trying to answer things that you don't know the answer to. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, being able to say, I don't know and I'll get back to you is a completely fine answer. And, you know, a lot of people don't feel like that's, that's the right way to message. And I think that, you know, that's a shame because at the end of the day, you'll get yourself into much more trouble and it won't be an honest representation if you start saying things that aren't accurate. And so I think that's, you know, being able to say that. Um, And, and the last thing I'll mention is, you know, the way the world sees you, Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes I think is not the way that you see yourself. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible to me, like even to be invited to be on this podcast, you know, I'm, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I feel like I've done a great job in my career. I love what I do, but to be, you know, asked to, to represent senior women and you sit back and you say, huh, I I guess I am that, but Mm -hmm. me, I was still, you know, I'm, I'm still a, you know, a young, you know, girl out of college, just trying to make it. And so, you know, the way the world sees you, um, is oftentimes you're, you're, you are yourself's harshest critic. And I always try to remind myself of that, um, because, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in that. And that's when the fears start to creep in. That's fantastic. And I love, you know, what you're saying about, um, how you took this job and you didn't necessarily, you know, know everything. Like you said, you didn't know deep. You knew a lot. Um, uh, you know, you knew a lot, but very little of, of a lot, kind of like, and you needed to go deep in this area. And I, I'm so proud that we have an example here for our listeners and the women and others who listen of how you threw your name in the hat, you took the job, and then you like really embraced the idea of just in time learning and learned when you needed to, to do it. Because so many times, and statistics show this over and over, is that women self-select and opt out when they can't check the box on everything on a job description. Um, and so this is a perfect example. Like you said, you came in, you took this job, and you were <laughs> there was a little bit of self-doubt, like, oh my gosh, but your superpower was learning and the competency to be able to learn. And look at you now. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age, so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So what other like words of advice, like, are there other instances that you can think of where, you know, you just dove right in, even though you may not have like really needed everything that you supposedly needed to, to say yes? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think that the way to, to live your life mm-hmm. is 
um, is to constantly be pushing that envelope and to constantly be, you know, introspective about um, about what you where you can add value. And so for me, I feel like, you know, I've always throughout my entire career, I've said, I can do anything um, I put my mind to and I try, I try to tell myself that and, and hopefully <laughs> it'll play out. But when I joined the firm, you know, anecdotally, um, I was against a, a male that was much older than me. Um, and um, and, I fe- and the, the person that hired me here um, ended up being one of my mentors in life. Um, and, you know, and I aligned myself with him. I got to know him and he ended up being, you know, he was my boss for many years, but ended up being a huge mentor in the business for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, fu- I found that, you know, you dive in, but then you have to ask and navigate to figure out how you can be the most successful and you can't do it alone. Right. And so I found that if, you know, I, I jumped in, I had to learn, I had to ask the right questions. I had to surround myself by all the intelligence here at Chinkin Capital. Um, and I had to be, and I had to lean on people to get to, to ultimately be successful. And so I think that that, when I think about kind of diving head in, you know, you kind of you, you jump in and you say I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward towards this goal, but you really have to ask for the help and you have to identify people that are willing to help you, right? And, and if you find those people in your life, and they they are I, I can count I have two mentors in this business that identified me and said you're gonna be successful here and mm-hmm. helped guide the way. And if I hadn't met them. I would never be in the seat that I was in. And so I feel really fortunate that I had that, but I had to seek it out in order mm-hmm. to be successful, I think. I love the way that you broke that out in terms of asking for help and the fact that you couldn't do it alone. Because I think one of the biggest um, archetypes of imp- imposter syndrome that rears its ugly head and causes very unresourceful <laughs> habits for people is those that think that they have to figure it out themselves and don't ask the right questions. And I think that was extremely important. But the other piece that you mentioned was having really strong mentors and sponsors that helped you along the way. And I don't want to make a gross assumption, but I'm assuming that these mentors or sponsors didn't look like you. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I have a lot of young women that we, you know, even through beyond barriers that we coach and, and help, you know, um, accelerate in their careers. But the biggest hangup they get is they're always looking for female mentors or, you know, they, they're like, Oh, I, you know, I don't know who to ask to mentor me when, there are so many people in front of you or around you that can mentor you. So talk a little bit about that. So, um, you know, here at our firm, for example, there's a, a very senior woman um, who was our legal counsel or general counsel for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, our head of our ESG initiatives is another very senior woman who's been at Shankman for 20 plus years. But there was nobody that had the job that either I wanted or that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I bet it's it's more important and maybe not more, but it's of the same importance to have a mentor that has the job that you ultimately want. Like yes. the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, it was, it was basically sitting right here. It was, you know, it was managing senior relationships. It was selling, it was traveling. And so I had to go into the marketplace uh, and find that job. And then, 
and then ultimately find somebody who had that job and say, okay, how'd you get there? Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter that my first was, um, was a managing director at Credit Suisse who was or still a dear friend. And he had the job that I wanted. And I was in a different type of role at Credit Suisse. And I knocked on his door. I literally went over to his office and I said, I want to work for you. What does it take? And he said, there's no job available here for you. <laughs> You're an associate. We only have managing directors in my group. Um, and then I said, well, if one opens up, you know, this, I, this, I think this is what I was born to do. Mm-hmm. And he called me three months later and he said, I created a job for you. And he moved me over to the distribution role at Credit Suisse. And that's kind of what, what catapulted my career. But I literally went over mm-hmm. to his office. He was an athlete. I was prior to kids. I was a distance uh, athlete. I ran a couple of marathons and did an Ironman. So we bonded over that. And that mm-hmm. was our commonality. That was our common ground. And to this day, I have a big win at my firm and I'll, I'll call him, you know, I mean, he's my biggest cheerleader. Um, and so, you know, so I feel like, I mean, and, and I've, I've had that in a couple of ways, in a couple of places. And when I came to Shankman, my, my boss, who's no longer here, he was the one that hired me and he had the job I wanted, right. Ultimately. I mean, not, not exactly, but you mm-hmm. know, he was, he was the older version of what I saw myself, you know, and my, myself in 10 years, what did I want to be? Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter what he or she looked like um, or did, um, but you know they they wanted me to be successful and and helped me you know grow. And without mm-hmm. these two, they they happen to be men, but without these two people, I, I again I would never be where I am today. So I mean that that is probably the biggest importance of my career and the way that it zigged or zagged mm-hmm. was asking for you know asking for to to be aligned with the people that have those jobs that you're like, huh, I would love to do that. Your story just brilliantly described what I am always trying to um, share with uh, young women that I coach and mentor is that you have to identify what success looks like in the organization. And then, you know, once you identify and define what that success looks like, then you emulate the characteristics and all of that. And you did exactly that. Like you said, I found somebody who had the job that I wanted and I went out to them and I said, how do I get here? And yeah. that in a nutshell, I mean, you're, you know, I will be sharing this podcast over and over so, <laughs> so people can actually realize it because, you know, when you tell them you've got to define success and know what it looks like, it's really hard. It's that's, it's not very tangible for someone to kind of understand what you're trying to say. And your story was perfect where you went and you sought out this person, you didn't know who they were. And just because you shared that with that person, you said, Hey, you have something valuable. I want to learn they, that sparked a relationship and they bought into you and created an opportunity for you. And so you attracted that opportunity. And I think that is just an amazing story that I will be sharing over and over again. So thank you for that. (laughs) I I hope he sees it too, because it's, it's it's been, you know, and both of them, both of my mentors have always said like, it's it's you, Erica. I have little to do with this. And I, I could not disagree more. So it's, you know, it's such an interesting dynamic because they saw something in me and I see so, such value in them. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, life is too short to go through, you know, to be in a role that you don't love and not be surrounded by people that you love doing it. I, I really believe that. And so I, I've been really, really blessed with that. That's fantastic. Well, as we close out the podcast, um, I mean, I know that you have lots of pearls of wisdoms that you would want to impart on our listeners, but what is something that you 
want to share with them as you close out in terms of just what it takes to be, you know, successful in their own right? You know, I, I'm a firm, but I think everybody has a different role, a different path to success. And so ultimately what works for me might not work for somebody else, but, but for me, um, you know, I, I think it's a couple of things, but I do think the structure that I put around uh, my entire my day to day, you know, in, in all in all facets of my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, is really important to keeping to making things work in my life, right? So I have you know I have two young children, um, and I am kind of the CEO of my house, and then I'm mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm working a big job here. So I feel like for me, establishing structure, maintaining a calendar, all of those things, they're little things, but they really kind of set the stage and the expectation for kind of what, what I need to check off the box, you know, and I was, I was talking to my husband last night about this very discussion and we were talking about, you know, you get out of bed in the morning and you make the bed, right? That's the first thing you do. And, you know, it, it checks the first thing off your list of, of what you need to accomplish in any given day. And so I found that personally for me, kind of that, that driving things forward, but kind of checking things off the list along the way, just mm-hmm. moving it on, on to the next thing um, has really you know, helped me, helped me, you know, kind of get through and get to this point in my career. And the other thing that I constantly think about is I love my job. I absolutely love it. I, I don't love it a hundred percent of the time, but every single day I come in and I'm like, I'm really happy I'm here and I'm really, I'm thrilled with what I do. And so I feel like so many times people are in roles that they don't love. And right. I've said this a couple of times, but life is too short. And so if you find something that you really love, you can be successful at it, whether it be in finance or whether it be in teaching or whether it be, you know, I mean, in any type of, uh, of role, it doesn't feel like work if you love what you do and and have to constantly seek that out. You have to constantly say, am I happy most of the time? Because um, there's just so many different roles and things that you can do with the things that you're good at. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I feel really, really lucky that I am in a a job that I love every single day, but um, I think I've, I've, I've sought that out. I've never, I've never settled. I've said, I'm not going to, not going to, you know, 50% of the time hate what I do. And it's not, um, life is too short. And I think that constantly driving for kind of that is, is really important for me. That is so insightful. And what you said around the structure and the boundaries that you set so that you can make sure you are successful in work and in life um, is probably key to that work-life integration that you're talking about. But then the fact that you said you love what you do that's the other important factor where, you know, you love what you do. So on, you know, you're, you're able to kind of manage that all together and identifying, you know, where, where to the, to the sense where, you know, it doesn't necessarily feel like you're going to burn out, especially with the structure and the boundaries. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're seeing now uh, these days is that individuals who start feeling the burnout is because they don't, they're not practicing that structure that you're talking about. Um, so I know I promised it was going to be the last question, but you you touched on it a little bit. These daily habits and rituals that you that you do. Um, how do you how do you actually 
in your mind, you talked a little bit about like your calendaring, your list and things like that. But how do you communicate those expectations to other key stakeholders, be at work or at home? So I think for me, maintain the ability to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of it taking a village is not is not an exaggeration, right? Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people in my life, both at work and at home, that help our day to day. What comes with that is a lot of different, to your point, stakeholders that need to be communicated. And so, right. you know, I found that over communication across multiple mediums, so that there's no confusion, is the best way. Childcare, for example, we have our nanny. My my mom and dad live close by. They're very involved. My husband. So there's a lot of people that are involved. And so, you know, a shared calendar across all of us. So everybody's on the same page. They seem like simplistic things, but it's, you know, it's an over-communication. Like, does my mom necessarily need to know that my nanny's taking my son to the doctor? No, but having it all in one place so that people can kind of uh, all level set, I think is critically important. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of emails. There's a lot of multiple text chains. Um, I think that that communication of kind of just laying what is going on out um, helps people feel empowered to, you know, to operate as part of this microcosm that is, you know, that right. is family and, and like who I am. Right. And, and so I think that it's that it's the communication piece of it um, that, you know, that is really critical um, because things can get lost if you talk on the phone even and we talk to one person that somebody else is in. So, um, you know, calendars and, and electronic ways to manage um, right. all of critically important. No, I think that's so important. The communication piece, the, you know, and that's just it. Communication comes down to, like you said, over communicating what needs to get done, but then also communicating those boundaries and the needs or the help that you need of being able to kind of put it out there so that, like you said, it takes a village, but they come together and and it all gets done. Well, Um, most (laughs) Yeah, on most days, correct. Well, Erica, this has been such an insightful and inspiring conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, I'm sure this won't be the last time we we reach out to you to just kind of get your pearls of wisdom. But I'm also sure that there will be lots of listeners who want to know how to maybe connect with you. What's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn, Facebook, what is that? <laughs> yeah, so I have it all. Um, I found that you, it's, hard, it's hard to not have it all between uh-huh. all the different, you know, moms groups and uh, work groups that I'm a part of. But LinkedIn is probably the best. Sure. Um, pretty active there through, you know, through my, my work connections. So I would say that's definitely ideal. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. We know that you are super busy and we appreciate you having um, being on the Beyond Barriers podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.